Every company has one. The place where the hats with the wrong logo are hidden from sight. The empty office where the bags that miss the event date are banished. The storage room where the shirts with the smeared imprints are entombed. It's called the Closet of Shame. And every promotional products distributor has a story about making an unwanted contribution. In this podcast, those stories will be shared and the impact on the client relationship will be explored. The Closet of Shame is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's your host, Bill Petrie. And welcome to this edition of The Closet of Shame. And as has been the case over the past few episodes, we are sponsored by the good folks at Imagine Brands who very recently launched their very own drinkware line in uh, in conjunction with Coleman. You know, Coleman adds that legacy of excitement, fun, and memories to the outdoors that began well over 100 years ago. And that established brand of Coleman, along with the reliability of Imagine Brands, is always going to provide you with new and innovative products. Crown, through Imagine Brands, has just introduced 11 new drinkware styles, all the way from a pint tumbler with an integrated bottle opener to a hydration bottle that keeps liquids cold for more than 50 hours. So you know, when you're working with Imagine Brands and the Coleman brand, that is merchandise that will never, ever end up in your client's closet of shame. So if you're interested in that drinkware, and darn it, you should be, go ahead and go to imaginebrands.com and the crown section. Look at that drinkware. You're going to love it. Your clients are going to love it. I'm excited today because I have a good friend of mine who is on the Closet of Shame podcast in Andrew Nissenschau from Brandwise in Indianapolis. Andrew and I have known each other for about four years now, I think. Does that sound right about it, Andrew? Is that about Sounds good to me, yeah. So if you're... Give or take, right? If you're not familiar with Andrew, let me give a brief introduction. So he is running a family business that originally started back in 1987, and I hate to admit that's when I graduated from high school. Um, that that age is me, Andrew, not you. But they started back in 1987 doing spin art and selling tie-dye T-shirts and candles and things like that in a small shopping mall. And they slowly expanded into screen printing and then into promo around 1997-98. And that's when Andrew Rand attended his first industry trade show back when it was in Dallas. And just like the rest of us, completely overwhelmed, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and you know, it, it's one of those, it's one of those things that people who aren't in our industry really just don't know the vastness of it. Um, but anyway, Andrew did a complete rebrand of the company in 2016. He's got a lovely wife and daughter who loves to come and play with all the fun toys in the showroom. It's a great thing about having kids in this industry. Uh, they, it, you know, it's never hard to bring something home from a trip. Um, and uh, they own their own screen printing house. So, Andrew, welcome to the Closet of Shame podcast. Happy to have you here, man. Well, thanks, Bill. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. I hope I can help some people out today. I have a feeling you're going to be able to, and you sound great on your blue ice microphone. I love it. Oh, thanks. I'm glad to finally be able to put it to use here after your recommendation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, the idea, and I, and I always like to tee it up, the idea behind the closet of shame is back when I was a distributor, I'd always refer to a prospect and ask them where their closet of shame was. And after they looked at me and kind of had a question mark forming over their head, I'd say, I know there's a room in this place where you hide the bad promo, the mugs that missed the event date, the bags where the imprint wasn't quite right. I never want to contribute to that closet of shame. But here's the thing. As distributors, we always end up contributing to that one time or another and i'd love you to tell your story of when you whether it was your fault 
or the client or, or the supplier's fault, or maybe even the client's fault, you got to wear that hat of responsibility. Tell me a story. Tell our audience a story of when you contributed to the client's closet of shame. Well, unfortunately, I've got several stories I could probably go through. <laughs> it just depends on how much time we've got here. But you know, that, that's the thing. We all have a bunch of those stories, don't oh, yeah. don't we? But the, the first one that I can remember back to is really when we, we started in. We had a uh, client that was uh, with uh, IUPUI University, one of their sub-departments somewhere. And this is back at a time when uh, Outer Banks was the mm-hmm. kind of popular style for the, the polo at that time. Everybody right the Outer Banks before all the other house brands started rolling in. And right. they wanted to go with a dark green polo. So I was, oh, that's fine. We pull out the Outer Banks. And without showing them, we, we found the dark green and... I think it was about 50, 60 polos at that time, which is early on for me. So I was, oh, that's a great order. So we got the, the sew-out approved and the colors for the thread approved and get the polos in and get them embroidered, dropped them off. And about a day later, we get a, a call back and say, hey, th- this is the wrong color polo. Said, what do you mean it's the wrong color polo? Well, we want Uh-oh. dark green. These are jade. Well, I, I pull out the, the Outer Bank swatch card and mm-hmm. technically the polo on the dark green is what they referred to it is kind of more of a a jadish color right so i can kind of see them there a little bit but it's like well so real quick green. real quick how many polos were there roughly like 60 or 70 of them i think okay so a decent amount and yep. and they had signed off on a proof i'm assuming yeah i mean they, they basically we kind of did a mock-up and everything we we didn't unfortunately get to show them the actual polo itself we just kind of they wanted a dark green so we went to the outer banks and oh there's dark green. Mm-hmm. Ordered the polos in, did them, and sent them out. And right. We're not happy, so we ended up having to try and find a way to appease them because they were not going to pay for them at that point. So what did they tell you? So they just communicated, hey, these are the wrong color. Yeah, pretty much. These, these are not dark green. It's, well, it says it's dark green right here in my color chart. <clears throat> right. And so. so what was what was their level of frustration getting the, the wrong color of polos? You were thinking they were the right color polos, and according to the, the chart, um, you know they they were. What was your reaction? What was their reaction? What was their level of frustration? Yeah, I was kind of going back and forth a little bit, saying, "Hey, this this is a dark green. This is an industry color. This is what everybody goes by." Right. And they're in their mind, they were thinking of something like more of like your real dark hunter green, mm-hmm. but they had never specified a specific color. They just said dark green. They didn't. Give any kind of PMS color or any kind of right. reference to a green color. And what was your reaction? So you're kind of going not back necessarily back and forth with them a little bit, but you're trying to say, look, this is just kind of the green we've got. Um, so what was your internal reaction? Did you have a pit in your stomach, or were you thinking, oh shit, I'm going to have to eat this order? I mean, what was that, going on in your head? Yeah, no, no I, I definitely, especially being a an early order and early on, and kind of a brand mm-hmm. new client, it's kind of like getting that little pit in your stomach where it just feels like the floor had just dropped out below yeah. you and it's like oh boy what am i gonna do they're not they don't want these shirts so i either have to try and find something and see if we can kind of recoup some of our cost or right they're gonna just turn around and go somewhere else and we're gonna eat the whole thing so what'd you end up doing i mean what did you end up doing because obviously you know they did they need the shirts for an event or was it not time sensitive yeah i mean they did need them for an event so it was a little little time sensitive it was okay okay have to have them tomorrow like deal but they did have something that was quickly coming up so i i know we were able to end up going through a a different supplier and ended up finding a dark green that was 
approved by them before we did anything with it so we made sure to well th- yeah that's the first lesson there's the first lesson you learned right get oh, them yes. get them get them one of the shirts and let them see it and feel it or at least a swatch right oh yeah that's when we kind of learned at that point it's like you know when when somebody specifies something we're going to kind of do the mock-ups and send them either a sample shirt or they're going to make sure that we give them a, a very good equivalent of the swatch color right so that way they can say hey you wanted a you want a, a jade, you want a green, a pink, a red, just because you've got all the different variations. That it's like, I don't want to get stuck eating a, another order like this because there's a slight miscommunication between the color of what we thought and what our client expected at that point. Right. So there's, there's your first takeaway, right, is make sure that that communication's always there. Oh, definitely. So definitely. you were able to get, get – uh, let me see if I understand. You were able to get shirts that they wanted to replace the shirts they didn't want. Correct. What happened to those shirts that they didn't want before we go any further? Where did they end up? Uh, I think, well, they ended up back to us, and at some point I think they probably ended up at Goodwill. Okay. So, so yeah, they, they, did not, they did not stay in the client's closet of shame. No. They, they ended up in your closet of shame. Oh, yeah. They pretty much flat out refused to take them. Interesting. So gonna, yeah, they saw so, them like, nope, this is, this is not what we wanted. We do not want these. Okay. So you were able to get a substitute shirt, and you were able to get it to them in time for the event? Yes, we do. Okay. So, okay. So that that's that's a good. How did so? Did you end up eating that whole order, the uh, whole yeah, first? Yeah, we we were able to make some make some money off the the next order mm-hmm. with the the new shirts. So it, it wasn't a, a total loss. I mean, we still came out. I think a a little behind on it, but it wasn't a complete failure. And the client was IUPUI, right? Correct. Uh, it was a it was some sort of subdivision, one of their little departments. Tell, tell everybody just who may not be familiar with the, the university system, tell, tell people who that is. Uh, IUPUI is Indiana University, Purdue University of Indianapolis. They're okay. located in downtown Indianapolis. Right. So this is potentially a pretty big client for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, through we were hoping that we can kind of move away, kind of move through the departments to kind of maybe one to another. But after this, I, I think we – might have done one other job for them, and then that was pretty much it. So I'm not sure if the person just disappeared, but we just never were able to get in contact with who we needed to after that. So, so, uh, so you you ultimately lost the client. Uh, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a, you, a one and done type deal. Do you think it was a result of the the actual order, or do you think it was just it's hey, it's a big organization, and they just decided to move on? Um, I think there's probably a little bit of both. I think it's a, a big organization, but also the ended up the lady that we were dealing with was a rather difficult lady to have to deal with. So it's one of those things that it had been going forward, having to deal with a, a difficult client like herself, mm-hmm. who was, I mean, she, she I could understand her with the, the color, but she was very unreasonable kind of once all this happened. It wasn't very accommodating or understanding right. and just pretty much it's my way or the highway type deal. And that's that's a frustrating one to deal with, especially when you know she's right. On, yeah. You know, on some level she is correct, but when when she's being a little uh, difficult, as you said, to work with, it makes it challenging to come up with a resolution where everybody feels okay. Because ultimately, it's your fault, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was your oh, yeah. fault. Um, so let me ask you this: What did you learn from that? What what is the, what did you learn from that? What will you never do again, oh, or always do going forward? Maybe both. That one was uh, was definitely verifying colors for people, regardless of whether it's a shirt color or embroidery color. It's like making sure that 
if it's a green, let's okay, which color green are we going with? Are we go with mm-hmm. a dark green, like a Kelly green, a lime green, and if it's a dark green, is the dark green the correct dark green? Because you've got some dark greens that are kind of right. like super dark, almost black, which and then some are going to be more of like your army green. So yeah. for us, it, the takeaway ended up being just to make sure that on all future orders, we're we're verifying with the client and having them kind of approve or write off on whatever we're doing with regards to the colors of the garments or the colors for the logos. Right, and, it, and it's one of those things where, boy, the devil really is in the details, right? Because oh, green, definitely. what what I think is green, what you think is green, and certainly what your buyer at, at uh, your client thought was green could be very radically different things. So you learn very quickly, and, and you said this happened fairly early on in your career in the promotional products industry. That is correct. You learn to ask a lot of why questions or what questions to be specific. So yeah. I, I think you probably, I bet you, have you ever made a mistake like that uh, since? Not to that extent, but every now and then you kind of catch yourself just slipping on something here and there and just kind of being able to catch yourself doing it. It's like, oh, I forgot to verify or double check this. And you kind of catch up and do that, but it's always done in the right. process of before the actual production. And if, if need be, if it's a larger order, we will do product samples or specs mm-hmm. for somebody just to make sure, hey, this is the right product, the right color, the right size. And, and yeah, it's, it's, you know, it almost sounds trite, but it's, it's promo 101 really oh, oh definitely but i think and i don't want to put words in your mouth so believe me tell me if i'm wrong but you're so excited getting an order from what might end up being a, a big client you almost are so excited you don't want to ask a lot of questions because like man if i ask a bunch of questions it might screw this up yeah it's right one of those things uh, where you, you think about it's like why are you asking me so much questions i mean don't you know what you're doing Right. And Even like, though those oh, are the right, you show you know what you're doing by asking those questions. Yeah. But then it's kind of like at that point, I kind of learned I needed to ask a few more questions. It's like, oh, you want green? You want this? Okay, we're good. Right. Right. And so you took the promo back to your, your place. And how long did it sit there? I mean, it must have just pissed you off every single time you saw that box of shirts. Yeah. I can't remember how long, but I know we ended up getting rid of it. So, I mean, I, I we probably had it sitting in the back for. My guess, at least a year. I'm so. surprised that the client didn't insist you destroy it. Yeah. Given given that clearly they felt it had violated their brain standards by by color. Uh, yeah, I assume they, the I assume the uh, was it embroidered. Yep. And I assume the embroidery was fine. It wasn't the, oh, embroidery, the embroidery wasn't the issue. <laughs> embroidery looked great. <laughs> On the wrong shirt. <laughs> exactly. I thought the embroidery turned out awesome. So I mean, it did a, a real good job. So let me ask you this: distributors. Well, again, whether it's a supplier who made the mistake or a client, at the end of the day, it's the distributor who's ultimately responsible, especially in that moment of something's gone wrong. Andrew, you've been doing this a long time. What's the one piece of advice you would give a distributor who just screwed up an order and is desperately trying to save that client? What's that one piece of advice that they should stop and think about immediately? And the one thing, you just have to be honest. You have to go back. You have to figure out, okay, just... Before you kind of just jump to any bad conclusions, just kind of figure out, okay, what's what happened? What went wrong? Why did it go wrong? Mm-hmm. And then you just got to go back to your client and be honest and say, okay, this is what happened. This is how it got messed up. Try to explain to them why it got messed up or the, the reason or where it fell apart in the process and figure out the best way whether or not they want to take a, a discount on something like this or if it's something that needs to be fixed. What can we do to, to fix this and make it right? Do we need to replace right. part of this? 
and hope that they're not going to be too unreasonable or try not to let them be too unreasonable. No, and I think you make a good point. If I could add to that, I think, you know, not only honesty. Honesty, you know, I, I've always said clients don't expect perfect, but they do expect honest, mm-hmm. right? Correct. And, and so I love the fact that you're honest. I also think something else you can do is I, I've always had a philosophy of, I'm going to fix this. I will do a post-mortem later. I will figure out what screwed up, and I'll communicate that back to you, Mr. Client, what screwed up, what we're going to do to fix it moving forward, and why it won't happen again. But right now, I just want to take care of this problem. And I think when you have that take charge, and I think you did. You, you had very much of a, that take charge uh, attitude of let's get this fixed. Let's Let's get this fixed, and then we'll worry about everything else later. I think that always communicates to a client, okay, you know, because they hire us not to worry about stuff, Correct. right? Yep. I mean, and the thing is, like you said, being honest, I mean, it it shows you want to kind of build that relationship. You want to build that trust. And if you – it's one of those things that they always say, if you start lying, you have to remember what you lied about. And then if you get caught yeah. somewhere, that's going to look real bad, and you can tell that client goodbye at that point. Well, and that's the thing. If you are working with a client and you're being honest and tactful and they can't handle it, is that a client you really want to work with anyway? Nope. You know, I mean, you your your client again. I wasn't there, but it sounds like she was a little challenging. Even though you were wrong and she was right, but she sounds like she was a little difficult. And maybe you know, you didn't you didn't retain the client, but maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, in the I mean, long I, run. I mean, we've had other other uh, closet of shame issues where I think I've actually been worse than that with a, a good client, and we're able to fix the solution and kind of somehow. Well, and you learn through these little closets of shame, right? Oh, you yes. learn you learn probably almost more than you uh more than you ever really want to at some point in time. Oh, definitely. All right, so I got a question for you. Yep. So, what is the worst client merchandise you've ever seen, whether it was created by you or not? What's the worst client merchandise you've ever seen and you know it sits in somebody's closet of shame? The the one it has to be, one of them is one that I know that I did that well that a supplier ended up messing up on our end for one of our one of our best clients who's pretty much our our first client who's been around for oh man I don't know how long now mm-hmm. but it was a uh, a holiday blanket that we had done for them and they basically had a, a variety it's a, an engineering type company and they had a some images on a woven blanket of their different locations or different projects they had worked on. Mm-hmm. And we'd sent it in. Everything was approved, and we get it back. Everything looks great. Client approves the spec sample, and then they get the order. And then I guess shortly after, they start delivering them to their their employees as a holiday gift. They get a call, and it's like there's something misspelled on the blanket. Oh no! And it's like, what do you mean? Well, instead of Indianapolis, it's Indianapolis. Oh kind no! Like right in the middle of the blanket. Spelling there. 101. Yeah, and somehow one of the A's was an O, and we're trying to figure out. We're looking at the artwork we sent in, and we're going back and forth. And it's like, how did this happen? And so we kind of kept going down the line trying to pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. And it ends up that they, the company, I guess, decided that the font wasn't going to sew properly. So they had one of their designers reset the type. Mm-hmm. And in the process, they respelled Indianapolis correct incorrectly. Oh no! And they, the thing is, they gave us a spec. Yeah. And everybody approved it. Looked at it. It's one of those things where you just kind of look at it, and you assume it's right. I mean, it was right. wrong on the on the the sample they gave us, but 
it's just because that's not the art that we sent in. Sure. They modified it on the, the way back out, and it's like, oh, boy. Well, and, and blankets are one of the things, boy, that's going to be kept a long, long time. Yeah, and that, that's the one that still grates on me today that it's like – I can't do anything about it, but it's yeah. like, boy, that, that's one of those things where... And you know it's sitting in people's closets. Yeah, and you know it's sitting in people's closets, or they use it and kind of roll their eyes, and oh, that's a tough one. And that's one of those things I love. I mean, the, it turned out awesome. Sure. Other than that, it's like, I love the blank, and it's like, it's so great, but it's like, I just don't want people to see <laughs> the city well, so wrong on it. So. here's the thing. The good news is, with the educational system in our country, there's probably about 40% of the people that think that's spelled correctly. There so, there you go. So, last question before we wrap it up, and Andrew, thanks again for a great story i, lo- I loved it um what merchandise would you never ever sell a client because you know it would just end up somewhere in their closet that wouldn't be used what one product oh, man if i had a one product i would not sell them is for me it, it seems to be just cheap drinkware and cheap mugs love that because that i mean it's like everybody does it and it's like mm-hmm. here, here's your your basic standard mug and it's like everybody gets them and it's like people want something now it seems that we know this more and more with our clients they sure something that has more of a retail look a retail feel in it they don't want it to just gonna be unless it's a brand people love mm-hmm. they don't want it to have somebody's logo plastered all over it they maybe nope. have a, a logo small somewhere or really subtle and then maybe have some other creative design right on it is what we're noticing with a lot of people well, no, no question. Uh, I think that's a great one. And there's no better segue to, again, thank our sponsor over to Imagine Brands and their Coleman line of drinkware, um, which I mentioned earlier that they have 11 new drinkware styles. They're all made from stainless steel, so you know they're durable. They're vacuum insulated and sealed. They come in a whole bunch of colors. And I know, Andrew, you're an outdoors guy. You like doing things outside. No matter how you choose your adventure whether it's hiking or biking or camping or backyard barbecue, Coleman is your brand. And that's a that's a brand of drinkware people will keep for a long, long time. It's going to last a long, long time. That's what Andrew, want. yeah, absolutely, it's what you want. Andrew, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to tell your story and be a little vulnerable. It's kind of hard to admit that uh, we're not always right. Uh, but I think some really good good lessons out of it, being honest and uh, you know, always being forthright and kind of wearing that hat of responsibility. So thanks again for being on the show. I appreciate it, Bill. I, thank you for having me. You bet. We'll talk to you soon, Andrew. Take care. All right. Thank you much. Thank you for listening to The Closet of Shame. The Closet of Shame is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing and media for the promotional products industry. 